Hey, we are so happy you're here today with us, whether it's online or here in human person. And we do like human persons, just so you know. I kind of like the smell of humanness. Well, not all of you. Anyway, we won't go there. I don't know, but, but Chris was talking about just emptying ourselves and humbling ourselves, which is so anti-American and our, our culture of what about me? But I'm finding more and more that during this time, God is just pointing fingers in my heart and showing me where I'm at, and it's okay. And I caught myself being just gripey and a little bit not nice. Now, I know you are shocked by that. My husband isn't, but you are shocked. And I found myself in a position where I had overheard a conversation of a person's judgment call on me. And it, it wasn't true, and I wanted to tell him that. But instead, I let that kind of sit under me all day long. And all of a sudden, I found some criticalness in my heart. And I want to challenge us. Greater is he that is in me, which is Jesus, not Jeanette, than the devil that's in the world. So with that said, because you're going to have to be so careful when you get out and listen, and sometimes their cooties get not, but you know what I mean? Their talk and their negative and their fear can get on you. And you've got to remember, oh, no, this is who I am. So let's say it together. This is our declaration for June 14th. And you just read it aloud with Vanna. Okay, here we go. God's spirit in me is greater than the spirit that is in the world. So let's look at the scripture now. Oh, that's me. Sorry, the weather lady forgot. <laughs> because he who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Is that true for you today? Greater is he that is in me. Greater is Jesus that is in me. I don't have to rely on my own ability. Greater is Jesus when I can get out of the way than the enemy that's in the world. People are not our enemy. The devil is our enemy. We love people. Mark? I got to move stuff. Sorry. Just like at home. I tell her, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't work. <laughs> I said, just got to take it, just lay it down. <laughs> Come on, let's give her a hand clap. Didn't she do great? <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome those that be watching, uh, live streaming. If you're a part, even though you're not right here, and different ones that have not re-entered yet, we welcome you and so glad that you're here. Okay, are you ready to make your declaration of who you are? You got your Bible? No. Get your phone out and hold it up because you've got your Bible on your phone. Let's say it out loud. This is my Bible. It is the standard I live my life by. I am a spirit-filled believer, sustained by my personal relationship with the Lord, empowered by my commitment to community, and expressed through outreach to others. Therefore, I can say, and uh, come on, let's just rejoice in that and remember that. All right, where are we today? We're going to continue talking about Pentecost. And I really want this to come alive. If ever I wanted something to come alive, it's today. 
I want everyone to hear, everyone to stay in here, uh, um, unless you just have to step out for a few moments and come back in. Uh, really, this is kind of my, I'm just going to call it my spiritual DNA, my understanding of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life on a daily basis. So it's a very, very important subject. And what I'll be doing is kind of reaching back to different segments of things maybe I've shared 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and haven't shared, and I'm bringing it together. So that's why I'm glad we have just a little bit more time to look at this. So turn your bulletin over. The notes are on the back. I need to briefly review where we've been. Now, today we're going to be talking about the choice. Everybody say the choice. You have a choice. You really do. Now, what we talked about on Pentecost Sunday two weeks ago we looked at the three Jewish feasts, just briefly looking at Passover and Tabernacles, and we were highlighting Pentecost because it was Pentecost Sunday, obviously. And with that, the, I just felt the Lord say, continue. The hour we're in, so much going on around the world with this pandemic, so much going around our nation with conflict and concern and people's jobs and all this stuff. If you're not careful you're not going to be breathing in the Holy Ghost. You're going to be breathing in TV and negative news and agenda news and fear and, and this. Do we need wisdom? Absolutely. But folks, we're supposed to be shining light. We're not supposed to be hiding. We're supposed to be shining light in our environment to help those who would be hiding and bound by fear. Are, do you have the answer? What's his name? And who empowers you to bring forth that answer? The Holy Spirit. We've got to get that. Now, we talked last week. We gave you the Greek and Hebrew meaning of the word spirit or Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. All three of those words really aren't translated properly from the Greek or the Hebrew. The translators did that to help it make sense to you and I. But really what it means in the original language is a wind, a breath, a current of air, a strong breeze. So that's what we began developing last week, looking at that in that dimension. And then we talked about similar characteristics of the literal wind and God's spirit. Literal wind and God's spirit. We looked at one scripture where it uses the Greek word, where Jesus, trans, where, where Jesus was speaking, and they used the word when because it literally was. But then when you get into Acts, it's the same word. So what are some characteristics that are similar? Number one, that should be wind, not, not W-I-N-D. Wind is unseen. I said it's unseen. The Holy Spirit is unseen, correct? All right. Wind is unpredictable, <laughs> just totally unpredictable. And if you want your God all tucked in where you can pull him out just when you want him and tuck him back in, you're going to have a religious, miserable life because he is unpredictable. And there are things that he wants you to step in and get rid of the old. Chris mentioned that using the scriptures in Hebrew. There are things he's wanting to use you in that might make you a little uncomfortable simply because you don't know what's next. And that's a good place to be. So it's unpredictable. Something else about the wind and the Spirit of God. Wind is powerful. 
And I had pictures up here of showing different things that were damaged by wind that, that happened in our area. And the Holy Ghost is powerful. I don't want to serve some anemic, religious, just mental ascent God. I want to serve a powerful God who can do anything he wants. And let's be believing for that. And then... Um, Let's see if the fourth one should be. There it is. Wind is refreshing. Oh, it's so refreshing. And I'm praying as I keep developing this today, you will see how refreshing the Spirit of God is. So we're going to be talking about the choice, the choice you and I have. We have choices. So with that, we're going to begin in looking at a verse that's maybe a little bit obscure that you don't think about often maybe, that's in 1 Timothy 16, and I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible because it really, really does come alive. May the Lord bless, and help me with his name, Onisphorus. Is that close enough? Does that pass, English teachers? Okay. May the Lord bless this guy and all his family because he visited me and he encouraged me often. His visits revived me. And in the literal language, it means he helped me to recover my breath. His visits helped me recover my breath. And that's exactly then what it says, like a breath of fresh air. Now, let me ask you, the visits you're having with people or on the phone or at the store, are you helping them recover their breath? You can't if you haven't recovered your own. Then you're to help them. Oh, but they're full of fear. This, be an example. Show them. They don't need you fussing at them or lecturing them. Be a breath of fresh air and attract them to what's inside of you. Amen? And this is the way a spirit-filled, spirit-led person should live. Okay? So during this pandemic, you have so, so, so many opportunities if you'll just see, if you'll just look. Now, I talked on this way, way back years ago at some point. How many have heard of the doldrums? How many knows what the doldrums are? My staff is raising their hands because I went over this in staff meeting. Okay. But uh, the doldrums, let me tell you what it is if you don't know. It's the intertropical convergence zone. Does that help you out? Okay, the intertropical convergence zone. It's a little narrow strip of territory around the equator, and at that point, the northeast trade winds and the southeast trade winds, they converge. So what it does right there at the doldrum, it cancels all wind. There's no wind, none. It was a sailor's nightmare of years ago before any type of motorized Boats, because if you got in the doldrums, you just lived at the doldrums until you died. You were stuck. Everybody say stuck. There's no way to propel yourself out of that situation. So if you can picture that, because I like pictures in my brain. I'm a visual person. If you can picture that natural phenomenon, what a picture of some people's lives. I'm talking about even Christians that are at churches all over today or watching it online. They're stuck. 
No wind. No Spirit of God. No interruption of normal. I hope you're sick and tired of normal. And that you're enjoying rearranging and reshifting and making room for God in a new way. So what do you do when you're stuck in the doldrums in your life? I'm just going to briefly go over this. Number one, most people just start faking it. You want people to think you've got it all together, but you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're in debt, whatever it is. But you can't let anybody see that, for heaven's sake. Listen, if something can, you know, just fake it till you make it, but most of the time you fake it until it just gets worse. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 6, 14. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. So kind of just like these are leaders and he's talking and, and, and what do they say? Peace, peace, they say, but there's no peace. And so you're just faking it. So you fake it over and over again. And if you stay there, well, then you put it off. You put the change off, you put the advancement off, and you kind of go into a survival mode. You just talk yourself into thinking, well, I, I don't need to deal with this. I'm fine. I can put up with this for another day. And listen, listen, only the Holy Spirit and you allowing him to breathe in you and bring a transformation in you will get you out of the doldrums. Seriously. It'll bring a new wind in your life and a transformation. Now, do we need to do things to be better? Yes. Do we need to eat better? Yes. Or exercise? Yes. <clears throat> do those type of things. But if you really are stuck, it's going to take the breath of God beyond just mental capacity to bring a change. You know, some people, they're just putting it off and they're doing it in their marriage or they're doing it with their Christian devotion. I mean, when is the last time you had God just breathe on you and your devotion, even your worship? Wasn't that wonderful this morning? It was just like, bam, everybody was at attention. Bam. Everybody, I hope everybody, I sure did up front. I meant the words and the songs just magnifying the greatness of God above anything else. And the Bible addresses this if you keep kind of putting it off. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root, you see, because you're putting things off in your life grows up to cause trouble, and what happens? It defiles many. So my breathless spiritual walk will cause me to say stuff with my mouth or my attitude that will defile many if I'm not walking with the Holy Spirit, if I'm not experiencing Pentecost, if I'm not making the right choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. I don't want anything growing. You know, a weed, they're, they're growing right now in, in your yard, a garden, and you, you just go out and two little fingers, you just pull that weed out, right? Okay? Or it's a small little tree growing. Boop, you just pull it out. But if you let that tree begin to grow, which we did in our front flower bed, I thought, oh, it'd be pretty. Oh, it'd be pretty. And it got bigger, 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 bigger. Wait, that needs to come down. So it was hair, teeth, and eyeballs for me to get that thing out a month ago. I met with an axe and a this and a that because the root had gone down deep. I'm just giving you the stages of the condition called the doldrums. 
where you have no wind, no breath, no advancement. And then what can happen? Well, you just give up. You give up hope. You give up vision. You maybe give up relationships that were really encouraging you and challenging you in your growth. Sometimes people just give up their walk with God. It's like you believe it can never change. You resign yourself to the fact, I'm miserable, and I'm just going to be miserable the rest of my life. And your theme song is from Hee Haw. (laughs) Gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression. Now, did you sing that song? Is that your, that's not your theme song. If it weren't for what kind of luck? I'd have gloom, despair, and agony on me. Lord, deliver us from that. Don't you wish you could memorize Scripture as easy as memorizing silly songs? We talk about that often. Job faced this, and he came through it. He got out of the doldrums. He did. He heard from the Spirit of God, and he turned things around, began praying for his friends and so forth. But look, look, Job, he's right here. Where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? I, I don't see any hope. He's given up. What's the last thing here? One more. Well, you die. You just die. For some, it, it's just they check out. If it's not a physical death, they, do, they just check out. I've watched people do that mentally. Some, it's a moral death, and they just throw away all caution out the door. And they live a haphazard life. Some, it's a spiritual death. Okay, just so you know, some of the greats in the Bible face this, not just you, not just me. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? He faced it. We were under great pressure, and maybe you sense that now. Far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. We wanted to die. We wanted to die. You know, you read your Bible sometimes so fast in such a familiar way, you don't realize what's going on. Man, I challenge you, if you haven't seen The Chosen, be here Wednesday night. This fourth one will rock your world when you see what happens to Peter. Look at this. We spared even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. I was already dead on the inside. It, don't you love it? The Bible's just so honest. Just honest because other people fa- felt these things and went through these things. And you need a blast of God's presence, the wind of his presence. And there's nothing to be afraid of with the Holy Spirit. When you're stuck, you need a breakthrough. And it's not going to be humanism. It's not going to be high-mindedness. It's not going to be mental ascent. It's going to be the Holy Ghost invading your world. So here's the deal. You have a choice. I have a choice. I will have to make choices this week. You will have to make choices this week. Spirit of God or fear. Spirit of God or worry. On and on we can go. What I've noticed about basically now 40 years of full-time ministry, 
when people get to this point, unfortunately, many, and I'm even going to say this, unfortunately, most do the wrong thing to try to get out. They do the wrong thing. Most end up in the doldrums because they made the choice to stay there. They made the choice. And here's the choice. You can do things externally, go through motions, or you can then allow the continual transformation on the inside. We do people in, an injustice when we say you get saved or you get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's it. it you're, it's, it's, it's just tiptoe through the tulips after that. No, you've made a, an about face with the enemy. Even again, back to the chosen, you see all the fish swimming at the beginning. And as conversion takes place, suddenly that fish turns and starts swimming against the flow. And transformation I need it today, and unfortunately, if I can say, you do too. I mean, we are all a work in process, and it's going to take the Holy Ghost, not people pointing it out and fussing at you and this. It's going to take the Holy Ghost arresting each one of us so that we make the right choice. Anytime you try to do the external stuff with nothing going on in the inside, you're going to die, and you'll never get out. The gospel of Jesus is not external. Have you ever watched people sometimes trying to change people's behavior outward in? Many think that serving God is you do a bunch of nice things so God will like you. That's humanism. No, you need to get close to God so that then you can do those nice things. Don't get it backwards. There's always that choice. We don't change outward in, we change inward out. The gospel of Jesus is a transformation gospel of the inner man. It's a heart issue. Everybody say heart. Okay, now, let's go back, stuff we've talked about numerous times, just briefly. The very first story in the Bible involves choice. Here's your choice. Here it comes, because you need the Holy Ghost all the time. In the middle of the garden, there was a choice. There was a choice. Right there. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, life or choosing an understanding of just what's good and what's evil and trying to do that from here down. And there's always this gravitational pull of all mankind to get to the knowledge of things that are good and the things that are evil. Restrict behavior without an inward change. Verse 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You would think, well, why? I want to eat something good. And we developed that years ago over several weeks. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of that, guess what? You die. You're stuck. You're in the doldrums. You're in religion. You're in no breath. 
at all. None. And then you're just analyzing things based from your mind instead of from your spirit. Please get this today, church. Oh, I want this to come. And many are dying, and their attempt to get out is not working because they're still using the same thing that got them there in the first place. Satan has always wanted us to choose from the wrong tree. Well, I love this next verse, so powerful, one of my favorite verses. Here again, like if I have one message left to speak and God would take me home, here we go, this is it, okay? This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, or or life in the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, blessings or curses. Now guess what you get to do? Well, you get to make a choice. And what will you choose? You will if you understand from the inside out. If not, if you do it from just the head or outside in, you're going to be stuck. And you're going to be out in your little sailboat dying with no wind. No wind. Going through motions. And you love the Lord. But, but nothing is alive. There's no leading of the Holy Ghost. There's no interruption of your day where you see a person and you're compelled. I've got to go pray for this person or I need to call this one. I need to go check on this one. You won't have any of that. You'll just do a little check off. Yeah, I prayed that prayer. I'm going to heaven. Everything's fine between me and the big man upstairs. When I hear that phrase, I I want to cringe. That's not a relationship. That's no insight whatsoever. So... I want to, we're going to look at three choices here today. I have a little story, and I want this to come alive. What are our choices? Well, doing more. I'm going to do more. It's easy to think that what God expects and what you need to do is just do more. Here's the answer to your problem. Do more. You're reading the one-year Bible? Great. You, you need to read it through twice this year. Do more. You're praying. You're not praying enough. You better pray more. And how many know it's good to pray more than less? See, that, that, that's the whole thing right there. Uh, oh, you need to pray more. You need to pray longer. You're not, you need to pay some penance by doing more. You've got to earn it. Or receiving what has been done. What's already been done. Jesus accomplished your need on the cross. It is paid. But the gravitational pull is the wrong choice. It happened in Jesus' day. So let this come alive to you right now because of what we learned from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he saw it. He dealt with it with all the religious leaders. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them, by just studying the Scriptures, you possess eternal life. Well, you've missed it by just studying. I've seen people say, oh, I'm going to take that class. I'm going to take that Hebrew class. I'm going to take that Greek class. And I'm thinking, that's fine, but you need life. You need the Lord of the Bible on the inside out. Then study. Are you with me? You think by doing that, you're going to find life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. You thought by reading a bunch of them was good, 
No, you were supposed to find me when you read them. It was supposed to become breath. Yet you refused to come to me to have life. It's the same today, unfortunately. So it's not how many verses you read. It's about the person when you read them and you, you breathe them in. I said you breathe them in. And then he deals with your attitude. And he deals with this. And he tells you to do this. It's, it's, that, that's really what lordship is about anyway. It becomes wind in your cell, motivation for your day. And I so want that for all of you. Are you with me? Second expression, trying to get God's approval. I had this issue growing up. I thought God was always disappointed with me. Anybody else think that? Okay. Like, really, people can be often because they have expectations or unspoken expectations, and people will do that to you. And somehow we think that God does the same thing when he does it. Like, I had to earn his approval some way. Then I had to maintain it, never disappoint him, and make him like me because inherently he didn't like me. Am I just talking to myself? All right, okay. Do you remember uh, way back 20, 30 years ago, it was a big deal to use your witnessing tracks. Not that they're, whoops, I hit it twice. <laughs> um, it's okay to use tracks, but this was before internet and, you know, Bible on your phone and all that type of stuff. So people would carry tracks around. How many of you remember the chick tracks? Remember those? We might even have some on our track rack. You're free to take tracks. But they would show God like he was almost Abraham Lincoln sitting in that big chair. And he had no face. It would just be this circle. And that was kind of my understanding of God. It was my picture. But that's not what God looks like. Okay? No, 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 no. Because you need to receive God's love for you because he already loves you. I said he already loves you. He doesn't love maybe what you're doing, and you've got to surrender, but he already loves you. God's watching us, our behavior, our actions, but he still loves you, and he's wanting to draw you close so that when you allow the wind of his spirit into your life on a daily basis, he changes you. I said he changes you. The Bible says when Adam and Eve chose from the wrong tree... God did what? He went looking for them. They made a wrong choice, but they hid. And he went looking for them. And we're going to make some wrong choices, and God still looks for you. Okay? But we think, oh, I got to get brownie points. I got to do this. I got do, 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 so he'll like me again. No, you just need to repent. I blew it. I'm sorry, God. If you need to apologize to someone, you do it. And then get back into being filled with his spirit. He already loves you. He already loved them. Here's a wonderful, wonderful verse, okay? But God demonstrates 
He showed how much he loves you. Okay? He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't do this. They didn't lay him on the ground on top of the cross and stretch out his hands and go. He goes, wait, 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 wait. Uh, are you going to love me? How about you? Are, are you going to love me if I go through this? You better tell me because if you're not, I'm not going to go through this. He demonstrated by dying for you. And he, listen, he can tolerate your wrong choice if your heart is to continually be transformed. And he has something to work with to keep changing you. I don't know what your view of God is, but if, if it's been distorted through the issues of life and religion and all that type of stuff, there is another tree. There is another tree. Here's one more. Obeying out of duty. That earning points method. I kind of thought, really, the more miserable you were, <laughs> how much condemnation you felt, it counted as heaven points. I did. I'm, come on, can I be a kid? I thought, okay, that was heaven points, okay? A penance mentality. And some of it was just even the way we're raised. I don't know if they still do this at school, but when you're bad at school, what do you do? You go write lines on the board. I will not talk in class. I will not chew gum in class. I will study more. And that teacher would give you 25, 50, 100, whatever. The worse you were, the longer they were. That penance mentality. Duty, 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 duty. Wrong tree, folks. Wrong choice. And really growing up, until I understood the influence of the Holy Spirit, I really didn't like many Christians because most of them were mean. They were sour. And they had no joy. And the world was laughing and having more fun. Now, I never got off into major sin or anything, but I had trouble with that, thinking to be holy or godly, I had to look mean, act mean. What a sick mentality I had, okay? You know, I'd watch singing. They, they would call it, you know, worship time, and they, they looked miserable, just tolerating and they, were, they looked happy when they got to the last stanza. Come on. Or you, you know where I'm going with that. Okay. It was confusing. Duty, duty, duty. And then, you know, witnessing teams. Thank God for them. But you, they put condemnation on you if you didn't go out and be part of the witnessing team. You know? And I remember one, <laughs> one group. I'm now a teenager. I, I wasn't on this particular outing. I don't think my parents would have let me anyway because it was going down to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Please avoid that at all costs unless you're just a very mature believer that understands what to do and being a witness. So this group went, and most of the people would be intoxicated, and they, they don't want to hear anything you have to say. So just stay away. But this one guy's witnessing to this couple, and the guy was drunk, but he, he had the guy's attention, and the guy was trying to be nice to the guy witnessing, so he was going to impress him. And he's drunk, and he says, my daddy, he's a demon in his local church. <laughs> so the guy witnessing says, sir, I think pr 
probably what you're trying to say is your dad is a deacon in his local church. And the girlfriend wasn't drunk. She says, oh, no, he's right. His dad's a demon. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Which means that dad was trying to do it out of duty. Duty, duty, duty. He was miserable and affecting everybody else. Listen, if you try to follow the Bible, obey God without understanding the transforming power of the wind of God, the Spirit of God in your life, it's just hard. It's going to be very hard. You can't do it unless you obey out of delight. You obey out of delight. 1 John 5, 3. In fact, this is love for God. Keep his commands. We're going to explain this. And his commands are not burdensome. Now, they were for me for a long time. You want to. You get to. It's your delight. You see, when you really are in love, when you really are in love, you're happy to do something out of delight. Now, ladies that are married, you remember when y'all were engaged? I meant that husband-to-be would do anything, go pick up anything, bring you anything, right? Keep talking. (laughs) And after 20 years of marriage or whatever, (laughs) hey, that's good. He he can just grunt now. We got to... You've got to do all the little things to keep the flame alive. Amen? When you're in love with God, and then you'll be in love with his people, and you want to do it because you love people. See, even our serve team and the expansion of it, it's not out of duty. It's out of love for God and a love for his people. That's the motivation. Because I love God so much, he's done such a work in me, I can't help but love his people and the people he's drawing into the kingdom. It's a delight. Look at a cool verse with Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Okay, just look at that verse for a moment. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Now, where do you place yourself? See the comma right there? Where are you? If you're over here, if you love me, here I am, you will obey what I command. I will prove it to you. I'm going to obey what you command. I'm going to do it if it kills me. Come hell or high water, I'm going to do what you command. Or you're to the left of the comma, if you love me, (laughs) and you just park yourself there. And you nurture that on a daily basis. And you allow the wind of God and the breath of God to blow in you and through you and on you and highlighting the word and highlighting your life then it's going to be a joy. It's just a joy to do what he commands. Wow. So where are you today with that? That becomes the byproduct. The choice is right there. Let me try to get this whole thing across with a story. It's about a movie. And I did this years ago. Like I said, I'm kind of combining some things. But I do like some of the old classical movies. Do I have any one in the house? Let me see. If you do, raise your hand. Come on. Come on, put it up. Keep it up. Look around. Look at them. There they are. Good. Like, like the sound of music, okay? Isn't that just a great classic? 
Well, here's another one, Fiddler on the Roof. How many have seen that movie? Yeah, we got to go see it live with the Maynards one time at a dinner theater, Fiddler on the Roof. And it's a setting in the early 1900s in Russia, if you're unfamiliar with it. This, this movie gets this point across. And it's a Jewish community. Of course, it's getting ready to be invaded and taken over but, uh, at the end of the movie. But at the beginning, it's just a story about this family. And this man, the father, he has a house full of daughters. And in that culture at that time, the movie depicted that girls couldn't pick their husband or be courted by, by a man and then marry. The way that a girl would get married, it would be between the dad and a literal matchmaker. They hire a matchmaker to go out and find a match for the daughter. And so the dad and the matchmaker would work together and then present, this is who you're marrying tomorrow. Okay? How many unmarried people would like that? <laughs> no. So, uh, so here comes a clash. The girls start falling in love with guys that they're attracted to, similar age, interests, and so forth. And, I mean, it's just causing this havoc because the dad's picked out this old, ugly, rich man to marry his daughter, and she didn't want that. She wanted someone she loved. So the dad would sing, tradition, tradition. Remember that song? Okay. And I don't want to, and she's going, no, I don't want to marry him. I want to marry him. Well, girls, forget what's going on inside of you. It has nothing what's going on inside of you. Now, I'm, I'm adding there. It's everything external. It's not what's going on inside, and that's the plot in the movie. But in the middle of the whole struggle and all the girls are now falling in love with guys, he starts thinking about his own marriage. And he starts thinking, well, wait. My marriage to my wife was arranged by a matchmaker. And we've been married all these years. I wonder if my wife loves me. Does she really love me? So at a tender moment in the movie, he goes into the house, and of course it's a musical, and he sings to her, Do you love me? How many remember that? And she's busy. She's doing and she says, what do you mean? Do, do I love you? And then she sings, for 25 years, I've washed your clothes and cooked your meals and cleaned your house and milked your cows and fixed your roof and on and on. She talks about, just like today. <laughs> and then she said, why talk about love now? You know, I've done, I've done all these external things for you. The interesting thing is he asks the internal she answered with external. And the only way for it to be an internal thing is by the breath of God, the wind of God. Do you love me? Well, look what I do for you. Yeah, but do you love me? I cook for you, but do you love me? I milk your cows, but do you love me? I do the whole family's dental work. Do you love me? That's probably not in there. I'm just making that up, okay? Thought of the Maynards and us going to see it, so I had to throw that one in there. But that's the choice. And the Lord sings to you today. 
Do you love me? Do you love me? Well, Lord, I'm in church. Do you love me? I'm reading the one-year Bible, and I'm not behind. Do you love me? Lord, I don't even eat devil's food cake. I only eat angel food cake. <laughs> we, we get silly sometimes with this. Do you love me? And we have this tendency, listen, self-included, because of a gravitational pull toward the other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to respond with the external and listen closely. It will not only put you in the doldrums, it will keep you there and you will die there. And what you need in order to get out of that is a fresh wind of God. And it's not a one-time thing, folks. This is what your devotion time in the morning should be like. This is what it's to be. It's to get wind in your sail. Let me close with this principle. Very simple, very profound, and I think of it often. After years, of course, you know, growing up a youth, a teenager, growing up and trying to do things right in a mechanical way, I was stuck. And I was really searching. I really, really wanted to serve God. I wanted to please Him. And I was trying hard. I was introduced to the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, in such a simple, understandable way and invite Him into my life to breathe His life into me. But let me show you the words of Jesus, and I think this Scripture can come up. I don't want this Scripture to frighten you. I want this Scripture to make you alive, as I explain it, okay? Here we go. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, look, now listen, look at these things they did, good things, great things, but yet it's still something you're doing and you could do it in a mechanical way. God honored it, obviously, because results happened. Didn't we prophesy in your name? And your name, look, we drove out demons and performed many miracles. I'm excited. We're going to see more and more miracles. But look, but I'm going to tell them plainly. Look, look, I, I never knew you. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Didn't know you. The condition of ex eternal life has nothing to do with what you did, although it's good to do good things and great things. All those things are great. Perform miracles. Prophesy in his name. Please cast out a devil if someone has one. Go ahead, okay? But rather, know him. Because when you know him, then everything flows out from there. Our choice should be, Lord, forgive me, save me, and then it's my goal to love you more than anything else. Make room for you in my life. And when I did that, that began the process of real transformation for me. 
I believe, I'm honest to say, since then, every day I really have been in love with Jesus. I really have. I've had some tough days. I've had some hard moments, just like all of you. I've had different disappointments. I never let that rob my love. And allowing the wind of God to fill me afresh. So this principle for today, and we're going to come back to this on the Sunday after Father's Day. As we consider Pentecost, what am I to do? Where do I go? Just fall in love with Jesus. <laughs> come on, just fall in love with him. Nice ministry team, come on back up. I can't help but mention him again. I do this often. He's now with the Lord. How many remember Brother R.B. Griffin? Oh, his life exemplified this. When he and Billy started coming to church, he could only make Wednesday night because he was too drunk on Sunday morning. He would tell you that himself. That's when we were in the lower building. So after about a month or two and him coming on Wednesday night and just kind of standing there with his arms crossed and trying to figure it all out, analyze everything, I could see it going on, and I got his name finally down. I said, do you want me to come visit you? He said, I'd like that. That'd be good. And he met me at his door with a list. Do I have to give up this? Do I have to change this? Must I do this? And believe me, he needed to give up everything and change everything on that list. He really did. It was a rough list. And uh, he was just being sincere. Do, do I, do, is, this, is this what I do? Do I do all this ex, external stuff? Will that please God? And I said, Jesus, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. Because I wanted to say, yes, 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 all the way down. And I, you know what I did? I tore it up. I just went right in front of him. I said, this is what I want you to do. How about this? You've known about the Lord. You went to church when you were a kid, blah, 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 blah. How about fall in love with Jesus? And it was like, boing. The light went off in his, his eyes. In his, I could just see it. And he must have sit, sat there and said 25 times and moreover, he says, I could do that. I, I can do that. You know, Mark, I... I think I can do that. And we prayed, and he recommitted his life to the Lord, prayed with him for the infilling of God's Spirit. And he would just stop by the office every few weeks. Mark, you won't believe it. I, ha I haven't had any alcohol in over a month. He said, I just don't want to. God's changed my want to. Be because he kept falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Well, Mark, I'm dealing with this, and I got this going. Look at this going on. Okay, you've got a choice. Do you, you need to bring Jesus right in the middle of that and let him breathe on that in his spirit and the scriptures and the things that will give you life so that, boom, change can happen to you.